Hi there, wellness entrepreneur. Welcome to the Ignite Your Wellness Business Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Alsa McLean, physical therapist, yoga teacher, massage therapist, coach, and owner of Ignite Your Wellness Business. On this podcast, we talk about all things body, brain, and bank account to help you achieve your version of success while having the time to embody your own wellness practices. So you practice what you teach. You enjoy life in the process. Following each episode, you'll be able to implement information from these three critical areas to grow your wellness business, your practitioner skills, so you can help your clients get the results they pay you for. Business skills, you'll learn business tactics and strategy and self-healing, so mindset work, nervous system regulation, stress reduction, Also, you can live a fulfilled life while helping more people and earning more profitable income while having fun in the process. Let's get to it. Hi there, wellness entrepreneur. Welcome back. Today's episode is more geared for the yoga teacher, personal trainer, the practitioner that does work with physical body and movement. So any movement-based type classes or private sessions, therapy, that type of work, physical therapy, combining physical therapy and yoga. What we really get into is does, with all this movement, does alignment really matter? And it does. There's times where you can pick apart anatomy or alignment and focus on anatomy and biomechanics so much that the movement does become more mechanical, where you're taking away the art of the movement or the 3D nature of the human body, the grace, the ease, the flow that the body naturally has. That being said, as a teacher, especially when you're teaching a group of a class, a group of students in front of you, where you're not able to cater the cues to each individual in front of you, you do want to be particularly mindful in how you cue and how you lead them so the student can make yoga fit their body, not try to make their body fit yoga. Or insert here personal training exercise, Alexander technique. There's all kinds of movement-based techniques that are very therapeutic, healing, strengthening, and helping with mobility that are so beneficial. And that being said, the student does want to discern what they're feeling in their body because each movement, whether it is down dog or a squat, for example, each student's range of motion is going to be slightly different based upon how, for example, how their bones are formed. So in just a minute here, I'm going to drop part of a clip from an anatomy yoga teacher training 200 that I've led. Now I've led a lot of anatomy 200 and each time I teach it is a little bit different and hopefully I like to think I evolve each time as I learn more because I'm always continuously learning. So I might sprinkle in clips throughout my decade or so of teaching anatomy here and there throughout the podcast so you can hear different flavors different perspectives of how we can bring anatomy 
into yoga and it doesn't have to be a mechanical thing. A lot of anatomy actually can be applied to a lot of the philosophy of yoga, the eight limbs of yoga, and can help the student bring yoga off the mat and into their own lives. So the purpose of this episode is to help you in your own practice, in your own movement-based approach of exercise or what you might do day to day, as well as to help you cue and guide your students so they can better discern what they're feeling in their body because not everything that they feel is either muscle or fascia, right? Sometimes the limitation is due to bones. Like you'll hear the example of how my limitation in yoga, even though I'm hypermobile, I do have limitations in my hip mobility just based upon how either my hip socket, the acetabulum, is angled or formed and how shallow it is, or even how the angle of the femoral neck and how it fits into the socket, how the ball fits into the socket, because some necks of the femur are more horizontal. Some are angled more vertically or angled in or angled out. And then that meets the acetabulum in the pelvis that might be angled a little bit more forward or back. So in this clip of the Yoga Teacher Training 200, you hear me talk about demoing a pose. And since you can't see me, I will let you know what that pose is. The pose is the fire log pose where you sit upright and you stack your shins parallel to the front of the mat one in front of the other. So you can Google fire log pose where first you would place your right shin on the mat so it's as parallel as possible to the top of the mat and then you'll stack your left ankle on the right knee. So essentially the shins stack up like pieces of fire log. Except my shins don't go that way because of how my hip is formed. So you can Google that pose. What also might be helpful is Googling different representations of the acetabular angle of the pelvis. Look at different shapes of pelvises, male versus female, and just all the variances of male pelvises and female pelvises. And now we know in Western medicine, and many individuals have known their whole life, that it isn't so straight cut, male versus female. And so there's many different types of shapes of pelvises dependent upon what their chemical makeup is and what their soul really classifies themselves to be. And it's important to be aware of that for your students. It's also important to be mindful of their edges and know that Some of the limitations of their hip might not be due to flexibility of muscles only. It could be the bone. Same with downward dogs. Some people's heels may just never reach the ground because it's how their ankle bones are formed. And you can also Google femoral necks, the angles of femoral necks, and look at how some are more horizontal or more vertically. And that work will really complement this podcast as you listen to why alignment does matter, how you can take the alignment into some of the yoga philosophy, and then live this philosophy off the mat and help your students live this philosophy off the mat. And you will also learn how to practice yoga. We get into the start of the conversation of how to practice yoga with hypermobility. And so for myself included, less is more. I don't always go into the stretch in yoga unless 
my nervous system has been triggered a lot because there is a balance for the hypermobile individual. And we didn't get into this part in this particular training. But often I also teach about how for the hypermobile person, some of their muscles are very tight in effort to try to provide stability to certain joints. So for example, as I mentioned, my acetabulum most likely is more shallow than most people. I only say that because I've had fit all the classic hypermobility signs if you go to the doctor that they might administer to test and see if there's hypermobility. And also I've had a shoulder surgery because I've dislocated my shoulder and then it used to sublux all the time. And the surgeon told me how shallow my glenoid fossas were. So it's just the nature. Part of the hypermobility issue is how the bones are formed, but it's also nervous system and fascial differences as well. And there's different facets of hypermobility. Some people's cardiovascular systems are even impacted. I know for me, I have something called dysautonomia where my hypermobility, I feel that my stress threshold at a time in my life in my 20s was a lot lower than most. Now I've done a lot of work here to improve my capacity to handle more stress and more negative emotions before I become anxious or worry. But as you've heard in previous episodes, for me, anxiety and worrying and being hyper vigilant was just part of my natural state. And some of that I think has to do with hypermobility. I also used to faint a lot in my late teens and early 20s. So it is more than just being able to place your hands flat on the ground when you bend forward or touch your thumb to your forearm quite easily, which is what I also demoed in the anatomy training, which you will hear. There are many multiple systems involved. And so for the student practicing yoga with hypermobility, this is also important for you to be aware because many hypermobile people are attracted to yoga because for me, what I feel personally is it helps to release all that stress and tension of not just the mental and emotional stress the body goes through as a hypermobile person, but also the physical tension of the muscles just having to overwork to try to provide stability throughout the day. So yoga can be such a beautiful, holistic and comprehensive way for an individual to learn how to live their life fully with less pain and feel strong and more calmer and grounded. However, a hypermobile person does need to be aware that less is more and not always do you want to go into the stretch. Sometimes you might to release those tense muscles, but it's always having that stability first. So I'll drop the clip of the anatomy training. It's about 15 minutes where you get a sneak peek into the inside of a Yoga Teacher 200. And I hope you enjoyed this intro to complement the teachings for that work. So you can be safe and practice and strength train and whatever movement therapy lights you up for your life. I hope to practice yoga for my life. And you can help your students, patients, and clients practice yoga and keep moving for their life as well. Enjoy. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm very excited to get to know the three of you. I love intimate groups like this because we can have really wonderful conversations. 
So how I cue and how much I might go into anatomy and alignment, if I'm teaching a healthy back class or a yoga therapeutic class, will differ compared to if I'm teaching a restorative class, where students are really coming in with the intention of relaxing and letting go. And they're relatively safe because it's not so dynamic and they are supported by bolsters and props and such. So how I cue will change and vary depending on the class. So alignment is important, but there might be times, might be classes where it's not the full focus. And that's okay too, because it is yoga in the end. So as we hinted, alignment is going to stress either positively or negatively the physical body. And you heard me correctly. I did associate stress with positive and negative because when you build strength, when you challenge the body, such as in a balancing posture like tree pose or a strength building posture like warrior two, it is a stressor to the body. The only way to strengthen is literally breaking down. You have to break down muscle tissue to rebuild it stronger. And that process can be done in a way that does make the body stronger, or it can challenge the system too much. It can overwhelm the system in a way that the body's not prepared or doesn't have the capacity to handle that load. So in which that case, if the body is not able to handle the load, meaning the alignment is not efficient for that particular student body, that's when the student, and it's done over and over and over again in a repetitive way, that's when the student might be at risk for injury. So this comes back to that saying of anatomy sometimes isn't so black and white. And sometimes it's in relation to a particular student. So I'm going to give an example. So in that slide, it said that there's compressive forces in yoga. So we're going to see that for ourselves. So in the hip, we're going to get into the hip joint specifically in a little bit, but there's something called an acetabulum, which is literally the socket for your hip bone. So here, here's my hip joint. For each of us, this socket varies person to person, meaning the angle of how it lines up with your femur bone or thigh bone can change. It can be angled more forward, angled more back. The actual depth of the socket can vary person to person. And that's important to know because you'll see it on the yoga mat for yourself and for your students. So I'll show you specifically what I mean. So I was born pigeon toe, meaning my feet were like this, when I came out of my mom's womb, they were internally rotated. And that's just how my hip sockets were formed. The angle of the socket was angled in such a way that I was very pigeon toe. And so I was put in braces as a baby for the first, I think, three or six months of my life. So my toes would point forward. So the bones grew around them. And that got me more external rotation in my hips. But when I became in my 20s or so, when I stopped growing in my teens, my bones solidified. So I, to this day, still do not have a lot of external rotation. And it's not because my musculature is tight. I'm actually very hypermobile. You guys know the term hypermobile? 
Yes. So from a yoga sense, it just means you have a lot of range of motion or a lot of mobility. And there's certain tasks that you can actually do. There's different degrees of severity. When it's in its more severe form, it's called elostanulums, which can put you at risks for dislocation. And I'm on the moderate side of hypermobility. So my patella, my kneecap actually dislocates quite frequently, fully pops out. I can do weird things like this, where my thumb just comes. You can even try it for yourself. Can any of you get that close? No. No. Yeah. So my tissue is actually very, very elastic. And my joints, like that acetabulum, it doesn't have a lot of depth. So with a lot of mobility, like I do, we'll learn there's not a lot of stability. And that's what leads me to have dislocations. Here's the thing. A lot of hypermobile people are attracted to yoga because it's something we naturally excel at, right? Like I can go very deep in the poses without warming up with very little effort. And it might feel great. However, it's not necessarily what my body needs. What my body really needs is stability. And so this is where yoga, when I was first graduated physical therapy school, back when science didn't support yoga as much, a lot of my physical therapy mentors told me, don't do yoga. Stop doing yoga. You're too hypermobile and you're going to injure yourself. And at that time, yoga was my life force. It was the guiding light of my day. I tend to be a warrior and on the anxious side. So yoga calmed me down. And now my new love has been the nervous system. And now I understand why that is. Like yoga is such a great reset for the nervous system. But I valued the advice of my mentors and I stopped yoga because I didn't want to injure my physical body more. I stopped yoga completely for maybe like three months. And I've never felt worse in my body and worse in my brain. So I was like, no, I had to trust my intuition and be like, they're wrong. There's a way that I can learn how to practice yoga safely and do it because it's needed for my body and soul and heart. So I was a physical therapist in the traditional physical therapy clinic. I became a yogi in a closet, meaning I didn't really talk about when I was going to yoga classes and whatnot because I didn't want to get yelled at from my mentors, but I silently and quietly brought yoga back into my life. But what I'll show you here, relating it back to the internal rotation, my lack of external rotation in the hips, the way that I personally keep myself safe practicing as a yogi, because even though I'm hypermobile, I still have areas and restrictions that my body just does not go because it's how my bones are actually made. So you ladies know the fire log. And you can try this for yourself, right? You line up one shin perpendicular to the mat and you want to make sure your foot is engaged. And then you bring the other leg on top, like so. Yes. So Rebecca, you see how your shins just naturally come so close together? You see how far apart mine are? I'm stuck. Even when I switch sides. This side, well, mine just stack all the way. I've got really open hips. I always have some. Exactly. And a lot of yoga teachers and students, if their legs are like this, it's because their hips are tight. And when we say that, it usually refers to the muscles. Now for me, because it's the morning and I haven't quite warmed up, 
my muscles are a little tight, so if I warm up and stay here, I can come a little bit down. But this is as far as I will ever get in this pose, ever. And the reason why is because of how my bones are formed. Coming back to I was born internally rotated, I just don't have a lot of external rotation in my hips. So coming back to what that slide said, and I'll pull it up again in just a moment here, is understanding for your own practice and for your students what their limitations are, what's bone, because we don't want to push into bone that's very compressive and that can lead to injury, and what's a muscle stretch, because there's students that are on the opposite spectrum of me where they are hypomobile, they're tight. And then those students that come to yoga that are hypermobile like me and need more stability and less stretching, there's all these different ranges and all these different bodies. And that's what you work with as a teacher. So any questions on that before I pull the slides back up? I don't think so. Any comments? Thank you. (laughs) Have you ever thought about that before, about how the bones can actually be the limiting factor for yoga postures? I know that I had to to argue with uh, one of my coaches about the fact that my acetabulums are shaped this way and I'm not going deeper on my squat. And then I was deemed uncoachable until I found a coach that was like, yeah, it makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. So that's same true for anything, right? There's a yoga teacher for everyone. There's a coach for everyone. There's Western medicine practitioners for everyone. And you just got to seek out that person till you find someone that resonates. And still knowing that there's growth edges too, but part of your work as both the lifelong student of yoga and as a teacher is being able to discern your growth edge. Is someone pushing you into a growth edge that can lead to physical injury? Or is it a growth edge, meaning a stressor for your body that can lead to positive changes and adaptations like strength or awareness and moving in a new pattern, that sort of thing. So that's really the philosophical application of some of this anatomy knowledge. So that's essentially what that second bullet is saying. Hey there, if you're ready to help more people and make more money as a yoga teacher, cash-based physical therapist, healthcare provider, healer, coach, massage therapist, wellness coach, practitioner of the arts, then I invite you to work with me. You will sign more clients with ease and then have a reliable process to go on to help more people in a way that will scale your business within the lifestyle you desire. Just book your free consultation with me. Let's have a conversation about how I can help you build your dream with more ease. And of course, thank you so much for being a loyal listener to this very podcast. It means the world to me. In fact, if you love this podcast, share it with a friend who might need to hear its message today and leave a review. This will enable this very podcast to help more people. All right, let's get out there and build your dream and help more people. I'll see you next week. Bye for now.